God reassures Moses of his continuing relationship with the new covenant and by allowing Moses to stand in his presence. A reading from the book of Exodus. Moses said to the Lord, See, you have said to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now if I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways, so that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. He said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go, do not carry us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, unless you go with us? In this way we shall be distinct, I and your people, from every people on the face of the earth. The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Show me your glory, I pray. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you the name the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one shall see me and live. And the Lord continued, see, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face face shall not be seen. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 99. It's found on page 3 of the service leaflet. Please stand as you are able and sing.
be seated. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Thessalonians. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers, constantly remembering before God and and Father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that he has chosen you because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Just as you know what kind of persons we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, But in every place your faith in God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. For the people of those regions report about us what kind of welcome we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols, to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is coming. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. The Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. Today we're starting our six-week study of the Unbinding Your Heart book. Um, During this next week, the small groups will begin. Um, If you haven't got a book and want to be part of it, there are plenty of books out there to pick up. Pick those up and read the first two chapters by next Sunday. Um, Each uh, chapter has some questions for discussion at the end of it. And then the second half of the book, um, there are daily prayer exercises. And so start those tomorrow, um, day one, Monday, week one. Um, There's room at the bottom of the page for you to do your journaling. Um, So start that this week. The six weeks, um, the way Margaret Grace Reese, who wrote the book, has set it up, is supposed to be called an event, and the E stands for evangelism. 
the churches that are participating in it, all of them have said, boy, our people don't like to talk about evangelism. You say that E word and we all get nervous. Um, the, the mainline denominations don't like to talk about evangelism. Part of the problem, um, Paul is talking to the Thessalonians there and he says, you know, you've changed from worshiping false idols to worshiping the true God so that you may be saved from the wrath to come. Um, we don't sort of preach hellfire and damnation, so it's not really clear why we would want to convert people, right? Um, if we thought that they were all going to hell, then we'd have a very good reason you need to come and join us um, so that you don't do that. But another part of the problem, and I think more systemic for us, is that we can't point to a story about ourselves of our conversion. Paul um, writing there to the Thessalonians, of course, has that great conversion story on the road to Damascus. And he um, tells that story in the book of Acts. I was going down from Jerusalem to Damascus with letters to arrest people there and bring them back for trial in Jerusalem. And a great light shone around me, a voice from heaven, and, and boy, I got it. Um, there was a conversion for Moses. Moses says, God, if you're really going with us up to, up to the promised land, show me. And God says, okay, stand here in the cleft in the rock and I'll cover you with my hand and after I pass by you can see my backside but not my face. Not very many of us can point to those sorts of moments in our life and say, I knew for sure God was real and calling me. In fact, I would suspect that most of us grew up in the church. We probably went to church and Sunday school as kids, and, and maybe we went away during college, but here we are back again. Just out of curiosity, a show of hands, how many of you have, have grown up in the church, have been Christian all your life? Okay, there you go. How many of you did not grow up in the church? I got four hands um, out of all of us. So there you go. We tend not to be able to point to a story. We take Christianity for granted. Martha Grace Reeson, doing the research for this book, um, gathered together a group of mainline pastors. She had like 40 pastors in the room. Now, these people ought to know, right? They're pastors. And she said to them, after a long conversation about evangelism, what difference does knowing Christ make in your life? And there was a minute of embarrassed silence before one of them finally raised his hand and said, um, it makes us better people. <laughs> we don't tend to think of it that way. What difference does it make in our life? I think AA probably does a better job of evangelism than the church. Everyone who's a member of AA can point to a moment when his or her life changed. And boy, oh boy, can they identify that change. And that's good news, and they want other people to know it. And so they're willing to tell that story and say, do you see how that changed my life? But church does make a difference in our life. Knowing Christ does make a difference. We just don't know it because we don't think about it very clearly. She tells another story in the book. A woman was going through a divorce, and it was a particularly difficult divorce, and she had talked to a number of her friends to get support and finally decided that maybe she ought to go to church. Each of her friends was very supportive and helpful, but she just felt like she needed a place to be. She went to church, and sure enough, that was what she needed. But what stunned her was that three of the people that she talked to were there in church 
and not one of them had invited her when she talked to them about how difficult the divorce was. So we tend not to have the courage to tell our story. But church is indeed powerful for us. It changes our lives. So the point of this six weeks is to help us think about our story, to know what it is, to know what difference Christ makes in our life, so that when we have the opportunity, we can tell the story. Now, I can't sit down without saying something about the gospel reading that we just had. Um, Jesus speaks in the gospels more about money than about any other topic. Um, It's a topic much on our minds these last few weeks. If any of you have a 401k or, like in my case, a 403b, um, you've sort of watched that market go up and down and are very worried about it. The Pharisees come to Jesus and say, is it lawful to pay the tax to Caesar or not? Can we participate in the economy or not? (coughs) Knowing that they're trying to trick him, he turns the trick back on them and says, show me the coin with which the tax is paid. And they produce a denarius. Now, they're not supposed to have that coin in the temple. It's against the law to have an image of Caesar in the temple. You're supposed to change that money with the money changers, and somebody has one in his pocket. So Jesus now has them trapped. If they want to try and catch him, he says, ah, but see, you broke the law and had that. He says, whose image and whose likeness on the coin? Caesar's. Give to Caesar then the things that are Caesar's, and to God's, to God the things that are God's. Immediately raises the question, where is God's image stamped? Go back to the first book of the Bible. And God says, let us make humankind in our image, male and female, let us make them. God's image is stamped on human community. So, money, don't worry about it. It belongs to Caesar anyway. Just give it back to Caesar. But give yourself to human community. Participate in that. That's the powerful story that we have. The bumps in the road that we've been helped over, we've been helped over by this place and other places like it. This is where we encounter God. And so we're supposed to sharpen our story, know how it is that God has helped us, so that we, when given the opportunity, are not afraid to tell that story. Amen.